Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Thatcher and Darren Doctorman, the Weirded Beardos. It's episode five. My goodness, already. Shocking. Well. I don't think I've done any, every, anything five times in a row without uh, screwing up one of them. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not my fault. As, as am I. <laughs> <laughs> So what's going on? It's been uh, it's been at least a couple of weeks since we did this. Yeah, I'm back. I'm still, I'm directing on this uh, Nickelodeon show. Uh, it's going to be like fourteen months till. Fourteen uh, months. Yeah, it's uh, six or seven episodes, and in terms of time, it's about yeah. It takes about two months an episode. Uh, it's animation. It's CG. It's done in Unreal Engine, which yeah. is fun for me. Unreal Engine's revolutionizing a lot of our business, besides Previz. Um, I mean, true. people are making entire animated films out of it. So, well, tell them to cut it out. <laughs> I can't. Actually, I'm a I'm a early. I I love it. I I'm just fiddling around with it. I mean, directing it is pretty much me being on Zoom like this. And if if, if you weren't you, you'd be a uh, unreal artist and I'd be saying, all right, well, let's, let's walk the character in here and then we'll throw a camera here and let's make it a 16. Now let's make it a 20. And we just, it's like directing and being, uh, you know, your DP at the same time. Uh, it's fun. I love it, but that's what I've been up to. What about you? I've, uh, just been, uh, still doing stuff for the Roddenberry archive and yes. uh, supervising things and giving my, uh, Opinions on things. Are you, are you teaching at Art Center anymore? I'm not teaching anymore right now. Uh, okay. uh, I I stopped teaching at Art Center several years ago after seven years. Uh, wow, teaching. You could do an online class. You could do. You could do. A, you could just film your own YouTube channel of you know Darren Doctorman on art direction and production design. You'd probably be very, and you know either sell it or you know do teasers on YouTube and and then have a package that you could. That's a because it's a hell of a lot cheaper than Art Center. <laughs> well, that's true, but there there are a lot of people uh, doing that online, and several of them were my uh, students. Uh, and they're well. That's my point. Is you you get it. Your your bona fides are a little more uh, bona fide. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm Napoleon Bonafide. <laughs> you are. You are. That's how I think of you. Well, I think today we had. Aside from what we're doing now, we talked about the work-life balance and, and yeah. what it's like to be in a gig, which is interesting because this job we've, we've is always been in a, we've always been in a gig economy. Yes, yes. Well, I, I would say there's only two jobs in my life where they were more than six to nine months, and that was Dinosaurs, which I was a writer, mm -hmm. producer, character designer on for like three and a half years, and then this Nickelodeon gig, and right. it... it it's great. Well, Dinosaurs was awesome because I got my Writer's Guild card. I made a, I made so much money I had to buy a house. Um, I mean, so much money for me at the time. I wasn't like a millionaire. But, you know, going from like five, five and a half figures yeah. <laughs> to very low six figures to like lower to middle six figures for, you know, three years is great. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, helping to create a TV show. And then the Nickelodeon, it's, the money is not as good, but it's a lot less... I'm much lower on the food chain, even though director sounds sexy. It's, but it's more consistent. It's, yeah, it's consistent, but it's factory work. You know, it's like, here's the episode, here's the script. You have, you know, six weeks to get it shot, two weeks to, you know, edit it. I mean, just, it's it's television in that way. Right. And I think that's one of the things I want to talk about is the difference between TV jobs and movie jobs. Right. Or, or what, they, what the difference used to be, because they're more similar now, actually. In terms of well, how they're produced yeah, and, and I mean, how much it, money they put into it. Yes, that's true. I guess I'm thinking more like sitcoms versus mm -hmm. yeah, hour long. You know, streaming now is like shooting a movie for a year or right. whatever. I mean, Game of Thrones was shooting a movie for six years. I, I, uh, I you know, that is its own animal. But um, yeah, that's a good point. But I think a lot of people, you know, <laughs> my my stock joke but you know kidding on the square answers when people's like uh you know how do i get in the business and and you know how can i thrive or how can i do well i said marry someone with a real job <laughs> uh, or any work I, i'm not kidding i mean even if someone who makes 
80 grand a year, 50, 60 grand a year. Someone that you know can pay the grocery bills, keep your insurance going. Just yeah. that baseline where you, you can make a ton of money and then spread it out. I've never had that. Yeah, um, me either. And, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, again, it's, uh, it's, it's, well, tricky. we just and didn't think, find the right sugar mamas. Yeah. Or partner. I don't even need a sugar mom. I mean, I yes, love one now. <laughs> All you sugar mamas out there, if you like a, a weirded beardo who's, uh, be speaking of the beard, though, I, I shaved down. I, I see I that. Of, I was tired of looking like Santa Claus, and now I don't know what I look like. I look like a a proud boy or something. <laughs> well, you should. I think I look like a Civil War general. Actually, you shouldn't like, be yeah. proud. Yeah, uh, we uh, shall meet tonight, Appomattox. Um, <laughs> you, I, I'm not proud uh, unless you're unless you're in the film Gettysburg, which had the worst beards ever. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, it, you no. can even notice it on the on the poster. Uh, you can almost see the the spirit gum holding these things Ooh, on. Yeah, bad a bad hairpiece. Speaking of Star Trek: The Original Series, no, I joke. I kid. Um, Look, yeah, bad hairpiece can be very. Shatner was many things, but he never had a bad hairpiece in that original show. No, they were amazing, actually. Yeah. I mean, nobody knew. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think you know. Kidding aside the toughest part is the feast and famine. It's, yeah. it's, you know, all that and kind of managing your money and figuring out, you know, what you do in the, I'm not working months, right. which then sometimes you can go for, I mean, I've had years where not working went for a year. Yeah. Except for maybe little side gigs or something. And, you know, you're calling and the, the trick is not to be the pest who's calling everybody, you know, or emailing everybody, you know, or texting everybody. You know, That's going, the thing I've always had work. trouble with. It's um, hard because they're your friends at this yeah. point, you know, people you work with. I don't have shame in it because I, a lot of times you find out people don't know that you weren't working. Right. Especially in my case, working with the Muppets for so long, you know, I started putting it out there because people thought, oh, I thought you were the Muppet guy or a Muppet guy. Right. Like, no, I was a freelancer. I was only under contract with them for like four years. I, I'm not just a Muppet guy. I'll work with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Pigeonholing. There's another thing we could talk about. I don't. I don't want to talk about pigeonholes. Yeah. I mean, sounds... first of all, you gotta really hold that pigeon. Um, no, but I mean, I don't. I was. I, I definitely. Um, that puppet guy. I mean, I have people even know me back when I was doing movies and stuff, and still that Muppet guy. Right. Which you know, it's not an insult, but it's a double-edged uh, sword, though. Yeah. And so, uh, do you get pigeonholes that Star Trek or that sci-fi? Oh, all, words, the, all the time. Yeah, especially now know. because of all your work with with Roddenberry's yeah. and Trek, and you know, yeah. you're and like I did Master Commander too. It's I can not a bad thing. Stuff. It's not a bad no. thing. It's just you know that that's how it is. And well, uh, I mean, Master Commander shows obviously the the your range, if you will, the breadth of your experience and the breadth of your skill yeah, set. Yeah, but that was 21 years ago. <laughs> no, I know, but that doesn't mean you've lost. I mean, if someone was doing a pirate movie now or a uh -huh. pirate TV series. The sad thing is you wouldn't be on their short list. Yeah. And you should be. You yeah, should be. But, um, but that's what happens with, with everybody. If you're not constantly in the in the churn of working sure. and working with people, people forget about you. And that's that's well, a, a, a standard thing to happen unless you're constantly shaking the bushes. Well, and that's why I found, and it frustrated, it still frustrates me, but the people who are good at selling themselves at marketing, and I don't mean in an annoying way, but just and now with social media, you know, these people have Instagram accounts that yeah. they update regularly. And here, and when they're not working, they're like, here I am working on this cool project, or here I am talking about Master and Commander, like the cool stuff I did, just to keep your kind of, you know, name and, and uh, skill set in the zeitgeist. And, I, and that's something most artists I know until recently, and I'm, I'm talking about people between the ages of like, 45 and 60 mm -hmm. uh now the, the younger generation are so uh adept at social Absolutely. media and i think and i think you know kudos i i'm trying to learn I mean, we're doing this for that it's reason. a it's a it's new trick this. that us old dogs need to know right i mean it used to just be i mean <laughs> the old adage is it's 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 who you know yeah Really was true because I mean almost all the work you got you got because of who you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, except Lee Unkrich never hired you. Damn it. Yeah, well that's okay. He did. No, he did once. At oh, the beginning. 
There you go. As I told you, well, I, I did his titles for one of his uh, Oh, that's films. right. Well, speaking of Lee, uh, one of the things also, to sidebar for a second, we want to do is have guests yes. that we know and have worked with. And I think Lee will be one of our first yeah. uh, guests. He, he agreed to it. He thought it was fun. And he's he's got this. So this is the promo for it. He's got a book coming out, an exhaustive yes. passion book. A new the, printing the, of a book. Because oh, it, it came out last year as this, you know, big, uh, oh, big, yes, well, thing, yes, I mean, it's yes, it's huge. It's it's a box set doesn't begin to describe it, yeah. But it's an in-depth, exhaustive uh, study on The Shining yeah. by Kubrick, and uh, I think it's like something like three thousand dollars or something. I mean, it's a gorgeous, something book. like that. Yeah, but the a friend of mine has it, and it's stunning. I mean, it's just like, holy cow. It's one yeah. of those big... Like, they did one on Billy Wilder a few right. years back. Right, And this is that scale where, you know, you, it, <laughs> it, call it a coffee table book really means it's the size of a coffee right. table. <laughs> um, and so they're coming out with, like, a trade... Yeah. You call it trade a, paperback right. or a hardcover that'll be slightly less grandiose, but still beautiful. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, I mean, we can talk about his career, but also I know he wants to talk about that book, which I'm really curious. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I saw him at a event recently and I asked him why, why that movie. He said, I saw it when I was 12. Yeah. And it blew my mind. And it's funny because the, the, the time that I most remember talking with him in depth is walking back from a screening of the shining. Oh, wow. Interesting. And, uh, cause it was on campus and we'd watched it and, uh, he said, Oh yeah, this is uh, my favorite movie of all time. And I've, uh, learned a ton about it and it uh i've been obsessed with it and so he's carried that on all these yeah. years later and i'm uh, i'm i'm proud of him he uh he did a great job yeah it's it's i mean i just kind of gingerly looked at it a friend because he has the giant epic version and i was like it's just kind of remarkably yeah. uh yeah uh exhaustive is the word <laughs> i mean that, not in a pejorative way I mean, right it's good it's good exhausting um uh, so anyway, yeah, we're going to have guests. There's a bunch of, between the two of us, we know a lot of people. And it's not mainly actors. I, I right. think mostly it's going to be behind the scenes, you know, uh, friends of ours. I mean, some I've known since high school, some I've just worked with. Right. You know, I want to get Joe Johnston on. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I don't know about Phil. <laughs> yeah, Phil well, Tippett. I mean, he he fits the weirded beardos perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Because well, he's, he's, he's the iconic, he's the iconic type. <laughs> yeah. Dave, I think everyone has, has a goatee now. Fincher, last time I saw him, has a goatee. Joe yeah. even has a goatee. So now, it's the... <laughs> I want to be that asshole for a second. Uh, a, go, a goatee is just the beard, no mustache. If it has a mustache, it's called a Van Dyke. Van Dyke, yeah. Not a Dick but Van Dyke. Is, well, Van Dyke is very often just a little soul patch. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes. But, yeah. uh, you know, look, someone called me on that one time, and I've never forgotten it, so I need to carry on that All right. pain. All right. We're wearing Richard Van Dykes. Your, um, yours is the Grizzly I, Adams. You're you're totally yeah. Grizzly Adams now. Yeah. Come on, Ben. <laughs> I have a, about four feet away from me is a stuffed uh, mounted musk ox head, uh, which I love musk ox. There's a there's a weird animal that I just kind of saw. And went, That's oh, another my... t-shirt. I love musk ox. Yeah, I love Kirk musk Patrick. ox. Um, well, they're an amazing animal because they're sort of the, one of the last creatures to survive the uh, ice age, the, the last ice age. Yeah, except that you poor know, one that you have the head of. <laughs> he, you know what? He died happy. Did he? he had just mounted a hot female and and it exhausted him so much because he was like 12 years old. He just fell over with a smile on his face. Wow. And they went, you know, it'd be a shame to eat him. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, stop shaming me. Um, oh, I'm not I shaming you. I do that on my own. <laughs> um, just be, be, he, sure, uh, be sure to enunciate when you say musk ox. Musk uh, as opposed to must ox? No. Muskox. Oh, yes. Thank you. Musk ox. Yes. Anyway, they're amazing animals. We've never <laughs> seen them. They, they look like something that Neanderthals would have probably did hunt. Um, they're compact yaks, essentially. They're about the size of a I love pony. that. The compact yaks. They're the compact yak. And they have very soulful eyes. And they're 
their hair or their fur, I forget the differentiation, uh, what makes something hair as opposed to fur, is so good at uh, holding heat right. that it's one of the most sought after fibers. I mean, they now they raise them mainly for, I mean, I think the Inuit and other indigenous peoples of the, the northern climes in North America um, use them for meat, but mainly they're kind of used as sheep and they're shorn and uh, the, the, the wool or the hair or the fur, it makes amazing sweaters and things that, Something like better than down. Or well, this is a amazing. big introduction to say that he's going to be our guest uh, in two weeks. Yes, Wilbur is his name. We're going to have him <laughs> on. I'll be puppeteering him. <laughs> he does have a mustache, which I do want to curl. You emulate, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, you all get to meet. He'll be another guest on the show. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, but look up muskox if you've never looked down. They're kind of amazing creatures, and and you will be glad you did. Musk. Ox. So anyway, back to gig economy. <laughs> well, the, we the, don't have ADHD. You that, have ADHD. The thing that most people don't realize, and when I tell people what I do uh, for a living, they say, "Oh, well, what studio do you work with?" Yeah. And and the response to that is all of them, because at, yeah. fr from one time to another, you're always changing jobs, uh, yeah. because that's how it is. Each uh, you know, movie jobs can last anywhere from a month to 12 months to even yeah. longer. Uh, but usually they're around, they're around maybe three months, four months, something like that. Uh, at least yeah. for what I do. Um, and it's, and what it, about, what about TV series doing what you do? Like when you were on, um, well, that, uh, that was longer. I, I was on, uh, I was on, uh, the Picard show for, uh, a couple seasons. And, and what about Westworld? Westworld was the same, uh, just a couple seasons. Uh, but, you know, that that went years, even, even that. No, no, not years. Just, you know, maybe six months, something like that. Because and then they, off for six months. And, and then, then off, uh, finding, another, finding another gig until yeah. the next season came up because it wasn't guaranteed that we'd be brought in on the next season. You know, yeah. there was no yeah. guarantee. Well, that always hurts. That yeah, always, always hurts. Always. Especially when you work with a production designer, you work with, in my case, a production company, and... And they say, you know, we love you. You're great. Yeah. And, and then they're like, you know, they do another project, which is the same kind of thing. And you're like, and then, well, you, you know, you don't want to be the guy who's like, why didn't you hire me? Because yeah. then you seem pathetic. But you, you're always curious. Um, I know recently in the last maybe 10 years, it's been because you're a white man who's over 50. Wow. Um, and, and they tell me that to my face. And they, I'm like, particularly Disney. Yeah, very very quota centric, which I get and I do support it's, morally. It's but the it's the world, you know. Yeah, like I said, it's our it's it's our uh, it's the Caucasian karma, <laughs> at least in the Western world, that we're well as as white men of of you know at least middle class. Suddenly, we're being told, yeah, no, you guys had your chance, you had your shot. Now it's I'm like, okay, at least it's happening while I'm hitting retirement age, not like when I'm thirty. Yeah. Well. Um, but but yeah, that's but that always hurts. I mean, that happened with the Muppets. It's happened with the Muppets. Uh, it's happened with Henson. Like you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you're great. We love you." And then they just go off and do projects, yeah. and you're not going. I mean, maybe you're considered. They don't call you. And go, hey, we we're thinking about you. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't hire you. We hired this guy who has a hit TV series. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Has he ever worked with puppets before? No. No. That's what's great the about network it. Network loves him. And then they they beef it, and you're like, oh, hmm. whatever. I, I don't know. Look, it is what it is. It's it's always diff it's always difficult getting jobs, especially if and you definitely need a thick skin. The one thing I yeah. say, particularly, and this is the one where it's the most egregious, when your friend who was, you know, you worked with and and they kind of I wouldn't say they learned from you, but you were side by side, and they get the next directing job or the production design job. Yeah. And, you know, you're like, they're not stabbing you in the back. It's not a zero-sum no. game. But it is frustrating when you're like, you know, and you, if, if that bothers you, you will have no friends in this, but you will hate everybody. Right. Because, I mean, I've gotten, I have gotten, I've had jobs awarded to me where other people I know worked in the same, uh, you know, space right. and vice versa. And so you just go, well... I'm, you know, I'm happy for them if they're a friend or even an acquaintance that you, you get along with, uh, that kind of stuff. And it's not even ego. It's, it's just sort of like crap. <laughs> I got to go find yeah. another job. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's that, 
it's a difficult process and and having having a bunch of friends who do the same thing is both yeah. a blessing and a curse uh right. because because they're going uh, for the same jobs as you are and yeah. but occasionally they will recommend you for a job yeah and so yeah. that's the that's the good side of it and it's uh, and i try to pay it forward by recommending people who i know want to direct or yeah. write and you know they're puppeteers or they're puppet builders or something and i'll i'll there'll be a job that's either I can't do it or, you know, like I'm currently working. So I'll say, Hey, you should talk to so-and-so. So I yeah. try to at least, you know, sp spread the love around, but you do the, the point being, you do have to get a thick skin about that stuff. Yeah. And try not to it take it personally because, hard, yeah. because nine times out of 10, it is not personal. Sometimes it is. No, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it is, but, Sometimes it is, yeah. but uh, usually it's not. And you just have to have to keep a, a, an open attitude and uh, try not to uh, try not to self sabotage yourself. Uh, right. That, that, that makes sense. Um, one one thing that I did for years until recently was I used credit cards to smooth out the gaps. Um, so having good credit helps, if, especially if you're solo, if you're single, or you're, you you know you have a partner that doesn't pay your bills with you. Um, I don't know about you, because uh, I didn't have a trust fund or anything, or even yeah, savings. Um, I don't know anyone. It's funny, you know. They're talking. There's some article or some YouTube thing talking about Americans have less than like one month savings. I'm like, I've never had more than maybe two months savings. Yeah. I mean, really, it's your checking account, a savings account, was a joke, right? Um, it, because of that. So what I found, and I, I don't recommend it, but I know it worked for me, was credit having good credit allowed you to okay i can pay my mortgage this month with the you know the cash up front or whatever they call yeah but that um, but that and, also you know that also dives oh, you it's into, a, house into a pit unless, yeah well it's banking you know pun intended on the fact that you're going to get a big fish you know get a job right. that is six or nine months and you right. can kind of bounce it out and, and that worked for me five years ago that's that would have been a, a good thing to bet yeah. on after COVID, now not COVID, so much yeah. yeah, COVID, I didn't work for a year pretty much, and mm -hmm. it all collapsed, and I, you know, was in big financial issues, and it all worked out, but but it wasn't easy, yeah. and I can't do that anymore. I just don't like ruined my credit rating, yeah, uh, which I'm not proud of, but I was like, what do you want me to do? Look, I'm not gonna... it, your credit rating is there for you to ruin, and and then build up again. <laughs> I was so proud when I when I left home at 18, and mm -hmm. my dad told me he was very fiscally conservative, very fiscally responsible person. He said, you know, whatever you do, protect your credit. And I did until I was about 57. Right. <laughs> so and it was very useful. So that's that's a thing which I know it's harder because, I mean, the other thing in our business, which people don't necessarily relate to our business, but the amount of money you get paid versus cost of living now is way – the gap is so much bigger than when we started. Yeah. Um, you know, you could you could live on a $600 a week salary and have an apartment and mm -hmm. all that. In L.A. Yeah. Now, you know, it's not like people people aren't starting out as PAs and getting, you know, $3,000 a week. They're getting right. $800 a week. So Maybe. it's barely gone Maybe. Uh, Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's usually between six and 800 I mean, on anything that's, I mean, independent and non-union. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, PAs it, aren't using and, and living in, in, you know, Southern California yeah. is uh, insane because I make a very good living anywhere else in the country right yeah exactly but here yeah, I mean, it's it's barely cutting it oh i think they said something like just to, just to make it in la something like a hundred and forty thousand dollars a year a hundred and twenty thousand mm -hmm. something just to have a one-bedroom apartment and pay your bills and yeah. taxes and all that which is nuts it's, i mean it's insane yeah, anywhere else you're, you're living in a house yeah um, so, uh, and know. this is not, this is not a, Oh, feel bad for us. We're in the entertainment industry no, and we're no, struggling. It's, 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 it's trying to give you sort of the real world realities of doing yeah. what you love. And unfortunately right. I mean, they know that you love it. Yes. Well, Haunted Mansion, the Muppet Haunted Mansion, one of my proudest things I really yeah. have got to write and direct on it. And they cut my salary by half because yeah. they knew and I was shocked. I went to the DGA and said, what? Because every other Muppet thing I directed, it was this base kind of salary. And uh, and it was DGA. And they said, well, and those because they were for network. 
Right. And this was, and they came to me and they said, well, it's under like eight or 10 million. It's whatever you can negotiate. Now, negotiating with Disney business affairs is like arm wrestling sharks. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's no way you can ever get the upper hand. And, and they knew I loved it and I had yeah. um, so much skin in the game. So yeah, it was 50% for this nine months work, which right. is normally the Muppet things are six to nine months, but a 50% pay cut. And they were like, take it or leave it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's it. Nobody, <laughs> I was thinking about this last night about stuff to talk about. Nobody falls into writing and directing by accident. Now production design, stunt work, camera work, that you can kind of, you know, segue into it because of, you know, you're a photographer or, you know, you're a, an athlete and you're good and whatever, but writing and directing, you have to want to do it and they know you want to do it yeah. and they will leverage that against you. And this is, yeah, again, this isn't to talk anyone out of it. Just say it's, it's tougher than it looks or seems. I remember growing up, there was a guy at our church who told me that the amount of money generated by the film industry in terms of payment is about the same as the necktie business. So this is the seventies. Right. And he said, it's a great, it's a, it's a job or an industry with huge PR, but very few people make a decent living at it. Right. I mean, you know, actors are the, but I mean, all artists, I want to say all artists struggle, but all artists, I would say there's that 0.1% at the top of the pyramid, but most people either have to get, I have friends who are great illustrators who have day jobs at Kinko's yeah. or, you know, uh, and you know it's like the classic actor with a, a job as a, a, steward, as a waiter, uh, yeah. a waiter, a waitress. So you you have to love it enough to kind of give up things. Like I've never had uh, kids, and I didn't really want it. So it's not like oh, you know, it's a great sacrifice. But not having a wife and kids uh, certainly helped in terms of, especially in the first 10, 12 years where I could go off for eight or nine months on a movie, right. and and you know, again, the pay wasn't great, but. I got to meet new people and go to, you know, I was going off to North Carolina, going up to Canada, going to England and doing these projects, which was great because I didn't, you know, I didn't even have pets at that time. Right. Yeah. Now <laughs> so you're, now little you're, little. you're, you're, uh, you know, you have yeah. that, uh, chain connected to them that, uh, well, you need yes, to, you, also... you need to figure out what you can do if you have to go yeah. anywhere. Well, luckily, I have cats and a bird, and they're all lower maintenance than a dog. Like, don't well, have to be true. walked. This is true. I, I think dogs. I I grew up. We had tons of dogs. My mom rescued dogs, and we were just a big pet family. And uh, I remember her telling me her her whole reason for me wanting to get married is so I could have a dog. She goes, "Oh, if you got married, you could have dogs." <laughs> <laughs> Very much my mom, but it's true. Dogs are tough unless you have a little a little portable dog. Uh, to bring around well, they're, with you, which... they're they're all portable in their own way. I mean, uh, yeah, if, if it, they're uh, not, then it's probably not a dog. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, most people don't travel where they're Newfoundland, right? <laughs> um, but so yeah, if, kind of the... if you can't if you can't be around to take care of it, it's incredibly unfair to a dog. Right. Oh, absolutely. To, to a lot of animals. Again, cats. I try and get someone to just house it, like stay at my house. It's mm -hmm. it's a, it's a decent sized place, and and. You know, just companionship for the animals because it's hard when there's no one there. Right. You come back and they've probably left you little presents on the pillows or they're, they're animals, birds and cats, which are the ones I've had most experience with. They will let you know that they are not happy that you've not been around. They will yeah. shun you for a while. Um, it's just funny because it's so very human and not to anthropomorphize pets, but they're around people their whole life. So they do pick up some of our attributes, I guess. Uh, so that's all the downsides. The upsides are you're never bored. That's you get true. to work with amazingly creative people. I mean, the 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 amount of friends that you know, even just we want to have on the show. I just you know have such respect for them. They've done amazing work, and you you kind of get to stand in awe with your comrades at the at the work they do. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know it rubs off. I mean, all the skill sets I got pretty much after 19 years old was by osmosis by working with, you know, the Phil Tippett's and the Bill Johnson and the David Finchers and the Leonard Nimoy's. Um, and so it's great to earn while you learn, you know, and just pick up. That's the other thing is be a sponge. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, well, that's the thing. Fun. People, people ask me how, how to get into doing film work. Well, there's pretty much only one way get any job on a film. Yes. Well, Particularly, yes, I, 
I mean, I started as basically a creature shop PA. I mean, mm-hmm. I did have skill set. I always say, learn a skill, whether it's Photoshop or making molds or painting sets or, you know, uh, being a writer's assistant, knowing Final Draft, knowing uh, After Effects or uh, Premiere. Or, or Unreal like, Engine. Or Unreal, yes. Well, now, now that it used to, I'd say, learn Maya and Photoshop and, and uh, After Effects. Now I'd say, well, still Photoshop. I mean, the Adobe yeah. Suite, if you're skilled with that, you're pretty much able to find work. Um, yeah, learn Unreal Engine if you want to go into previs or animation or even VFX. Mm-hmm. People are starting to use it now for effects shots. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, and I mean, acting and, and writing and directing are all their own thing. Those are tougher. Writing, uh, get into a writer's room on television. Yeah, be a writer's, write assi- writer's, writer's I mean, assistant I'll- or anything. Anyway, right. uh, uh, agents used to be uh, a good way or sorry, uh, not agents, but um, assistant to a producer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, okay, here's a great story. Ian Bryce. Yeah. Who I met on Jedi mm-hmm. the year before on Indiana Jones. I think he was parking cars at Lucasfilm in LA in the late seventies. Uh, he then moved on to a set PA, I think on Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. On Jedi, he was an associate producer, and the next movie, whether it was Temple of Doom or whatever, uh, he was a producer. Mm-hmm. And so he went from seven, six to seven years from literally parking cars to being a producer on the biggest movie, one of the biggest movie franchises in the world. Right. And there's not a lot of businesses you can do that in. No. Um, because there's because- absolutely a skill gap uh, for people. And if they, if they, can see that you are capable at doing some things, then you get to move up as fast as you can. And it's it's yeah. really amazing because if you can show that you are worthwhile and you can do any job, then that gives you a leg up over everybody else who probably can't do any job. Well, and that's particularly in production. I've said if you mm-hmm. are responsible you you know uh, um, what is it? What's, anticipate my needs. That was a joke right. on Star Trek with Ralph Winter. You know, and he called it. You know, don't let things slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Double check, trick, triple check. If you uh, have a meeting and somebody's supposed to go do something, check with them the next day. Hey, are you doing that? How's that going? And you don't have to be pesty about it. You just yeah. say, Hey, how's that, how's that going? Are we going to get that by Friday? Um, and then just being incredibly useful conscientious and thinking ahead, mm-hmm. you'll be a producer in four years because it's all <laughs> produced producing in particular. There's less art to it. And more, like you said, just being uh, competent. responsible and yeah, competent. I mean, there's a lot of people in this business. You're like, how did you get there? Not in production. Yeah. Uh, but you know, usually it's somebody's wife or girlfriend or usually kid. production will sift out the people who can't do it pretty quickly. Well, that, that's usually those people don't come back. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing. That doesn't mean they're not around <laughs> because they are. Right, looking, they just haven't like been Occam's found out Ra- yet. Occam's razor of talent. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it, it just, if you're not good at something. Well, also you might, that's the other thing about this business. You kind of get in without a degree. I Totally. Um, unless you want to start directing right out of college. Don't a degree means nothing. Right. You're, it's all based on your skill set. Uh, even writing, you know, just write scripts, read scripts, write scripts. Um, and, uh, and, and well, so which kind of segues into television because mm-hmm. television is a much more of a factory job where you, I mean, just, you can't be not responsible or competent because it's just this train that's moving forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is it, the joke, uh, David Silverman, who I'd love to have as a guest, he's a, one of the main directors on the, he kind of created the Simpsons as a director, what that looked like animated. Mm-hmm. But uh, his joke he said in the early first seasons was, if it's done, it's good. Is it good? Right. It's done. Yeah. Um, and that can be TV. Like, it's, you know, it's, uh, we start shooting on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so it depends on the show. Some showrunners, which is what they call the producer, who's usually the head right. of the writer's room, uh, like to work late nights. And that's always, back when I was doing sitcoms, there was all these stories about, some guys were awesome. They were in at 10, you were out by five. And they were mm-hmm. just like, you know what? Life's too short. Usually they had wife and kids and, and had a good, uh, you know, work to life balance. But there's other guys who would come in at 10 and I worked for both 
come around and tan, talk, joke, make coffee, screw around till lunch. What's for lunch? Have lunch. Then you start working at two in the afternoon and you stay till midnight right. or 10 and everybody hates it. But that's, it's that guy's, you know, that, that's a big thing. Well, I guess in movies, it's, it's the lead actors and the directors sets the tone and in television, it's the showrunner. And after like a season or two, the actors can set the tone and the directors. But it's always, um, you know, it's it's always the department heads who set the tone for their own departments. Because I, I well, know working yeah. in the art department, we have yeah. very uh, nil connection with the actors and the director. I mean, you know, more True. more often with the director. Uh, yeah, I meant on set. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, but you know, I've I've been in art departments where it's uh, you know sort of a laissez faire thing. Show up uh, when you want and just get your work done. Uh, right. And and it, we're not we're not keeping a look at the time, but there have been others who have said we start here at seven and we leave at seven, and yeah, you know, it, and if you're that, not here at six forty-five, you're late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's uh, you know, it all depends on uh, on the dynamics that are set forth by the uh, you know the designer. Well, I, I always lived by the adage, yeah, if you're not there fifteen minutes early, you're late, mm -hmm. because. A, you can start solving, whether you're a PA or the director, and I've done both, you can start reading the room or reading the set or reading the day if it's outdoors. What issues are there going to be? Is it freezing cold? Well, then, you know, make sure the coffee's hot and set up if you're a PA. If you're the director and it's freezing cold, all right, let's get the, you know, let's get heaters set up mm -hmm. in the in the extras tent or where the actors are going to be. So they're not freezing the first hour because somebody went, oh, right, yeah, it's cold. Um, so all that goes to show again about competence and kind of thinking ahead. Um, and in terms of tone, yeah, I was thinking more on set, but you're right. Uh, every department wardrobe, I mean, they all have their own little biome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little, little biosphere. Like the makeup trailer is always very interesting. Sure. You know, cause that's where the actors kind of meet the, you know, the rubber meets the road. They're their first thing. Yeah. Whatever their first call is. And they're usually not, I mean, some people are morning people. Some people aren't. But um, makeup artists and hair, makeup and hair people are are fifty percent therapists. Totally, <laughs> or at least, uh, yeah, because I mean, they're, they're the really, closest yeah. people who relate with the actors. Yeah, yeah, and they have to adjust to their tone and their mood. And yeah. you could have one guy who's a morning person who's like zipping and making jokes and all that, and the next person could just be miserable because right. they hate morning, and and you can't suddenly be jokey with them. So, you know, being a people person—that's another thing. Uh, somebody asked me what what's you know, what do you recommend working? I said, get along with people because there are no auteurs. I mean, there are people who think they're auteurs, right. but it's, it's, it's such a collaborative business. Well, it, um, it's, it's just a, it's a question of not being so insular in yourself that you can't figure out what other people are thinking and needing. Right. Right. You and can't, again, writing, you can kind of get away with that. Yeah, well, you know, writing, writing is a writing like drawing is a solo thing. Solitary, yeah, solitary thing. Now, writing for a sitcom, usually back in the day, I, I don't know how. I mean, there's not a lot of sitcoms being made right now, but there was the writer's room, right, where everyone would go off and write their script. And you come in and you just beat the hell out of it, making it funnier. You know, right. it's 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 sort of many hands make try to script try writing. to plus it with the group. Yeah, exactly, and you can. It's brutal. Again, that's where your ego, like you get in something you think is funny and no one else good yeah. in there and they just go and they'll shred it. And, and at the end of the day, it's better. Mm -hmm. And it's also more form, it, not formulaic, it's not the right word, but it has the tone of the show because that's what sets the tone right. of the show. Right. I, uh, friends of mine were writers on, um, on Seinfeld and they said they would write scripts and everyone said, this is great. And then Larry, David and Larry and Jerry would go rewrite the whole thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously because Larry was the tone of the show and Jerry was, you know, the tone of the show. So, again, you kind of have to put your ego aside and be, hey, I'm getting paid really well and I'm working on a, on a show that people like. Where I think it's frustrating, and, and this happens in every department, uh, whether it's art department, sound, whatever, uh, when you do good work and then somebody somebody's taste above, usually with art department, it's the directors, the producers, mm -hmm. and they don't have good taste, but right. this is what they want. Right. And and that's a big part of, you know, even as a director, you're like, well, it's not the movie I wanted to make, but I was talking to a friend who 
got a movie off the ground because a big star agreed to star in it. Yeah. But that big star made that movie their movie. And my friend is the director. And the, the movie did not get great reviews. And I asked him, I said, you know, has it been tough? He goes, no, because it wasn't my movie. Right. I said, yeah, but the world doesn't know that. Like I right. said, if it's if it's a hit, it's rarely the director's, especially TV. If there's a great episode of something, the writer – television is a writer's medium. And directors, yes. it's it's a, as a buddy of mine said, it's like being a traffic cop, particularly after the first season when yeah. the show, whether it's a comedy or a drama, you're you're just kind of – making sure the actors hit their marks and, and kind of convey whatever the writers want in the script. And usually there's a writer sitting over your shoulder going, no, no, that's no, that should be more. And you're like, okay. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, get along with people, get thick skin, check your ego at the door, but you have to, you can't become a hack. A hack is like, I don't care, man. It's, you know, you can, you have to disassociate from the, the work to some degree, because it ain't going to be your thing at the end of the day, unless right. you're the showrunner or, you know, the director of a feature that, but even directing now for most features, unless it's very independent, you know, like poor things is definitely a director's. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a studio's going like, Oh, so that seems weird. <laughs> um, but you know, all the Marvel movies, all the star Wars movies, that's a committee. That's a, 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 you know, marketing is driving it as much as the director. Again, it's television. Right. Um, but it's more of a, like, can you do this on this budget with this time schedule? But, you know, give it your own flavor. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Make it your own. What? Make it your own. Have fun with it. Don't do that. <laughs> well, what I love is, you know, they, they hire, I was told Quentin Tarantino was hired to do an episode of something that was shooting up in Canada. And, uh, they brought him in to direct cause it was, it was going to be marketed heavily. Like Quentin Tarantino directed this. And he kind of did his own thing. And the, the showrunners were very frustrated because he didn't do – I'm like, well, you, He didn't yeah, do what they know, wanted him to do. What right. they wanted him to do, but that's why you hired him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, all these things – again, we don't, we're not ranting, but there's a lot that's frustrating about applied arts. Sitting at home and painting, writing your own children's and illustrating your children's book, that's great. Yeah. And a lot of us in the, in the industry – have that kind of hold that as a, oh, that would be great. And then I know people, I mean, Tony Dieter Lizzie, who's a very successful children's book writer and author, struggled for a lot of years, you know, and right. publishers, well, we won't publish your book. And he finally got one done. I think his big hit was, um, well, he had a couple of illustrated children's books that did well, but then um, Spiderwick Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And he'd be a great guest to have to talk about that whole business. Cause um, you know, I talked to him about writing a book and illustrating it. Cause that was in my skill set. But it's uh, it's kind of like getting into the film. You know, it sounds great, but yeah. it's just as frustrating. Well, you know, it's it, most of the time you are making your artistic desire subservient to who you are working for. And right. you are working to make their vision uh, come as close to uh, reality as possible um, and using your skills to help them do that. Uh, right. And that's what was great about the fellow people like Jim Henson, who mm -hmm. was, you know, exemplary in that and he would hire you because he liked what you did. Right. And then it was like, oh, yes. And, you know, it wasn't like, no, 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 this is what I want. I mean, I, 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 you worked with Cameron and I've kind of heard he's very specific. I know uh, um, uh, David Fincher is very specific and meticulous mm -hmm. and he, you know, he hires a good DP, but he wants the good DP to kind of, you know, lie with what he wants as right. opposed to you know blow my mind do something fun uh jim henson was more of that like do something fun like here's the here's the loose idea right. let's all run and play with it and you know that that's few and far between i try to bring that to to the shows i do is like hey you know i like you that's why i hired you you know you don't have to check in with me on everything right and as long yeah as well if, of... if you if you have the uh the wherewithal to trust the people that you're hiring and working with then that's all the right. better, you know, and that gives them a stake in what the project is. Yeah. And sometimes you don't, you know, I've been given DPs that I didn't know and I saw their work and I'm like, yeah, they're very competent, but just did not, uh, kind of vibe. And yeah. some of it's personal. I worked with a DP who just didn't like my sense of humor and keeping it fun on set. And, and, and th their complaint was he's always making jokes. I'm like, we're doing a comedy yeah. and, you know, whatever, they just uh, was not there. 
vibe. They just thought, took the work seriously, which was great, which is why they did good work. Yeah. But they didn't like that tone on set, which was frustrating because, you know, I got the note from the producers, hey, you, they're very you know, kind of, I don't know, frustrated, grouchy, right. because you're, you're always making jokes. I'm like, okay, but that's that's me. That's who I am. And, 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 and you know, I'm the show, I was the showrunner and the director and yeah. wrote most of the scripts. So it was kind of funny. And you just, you know, you have to deal with it because I didn't want to fire them. didn't have the time or the wherewithal and it wasn't that egregious but that's been frustrating uh you know when you just you, you have crew members who you really respect their work but you realize oh we don't vibe right. and i don't say get along because you kind of get along you're on set every day but it, it it can make a working experience less pleasant right and and you know like you i've i've sort of uh, evolved in my careers to where that i'm supervising people now and having to deal with that dynamic, which is which is different, because you have to take into account, uh, you know, what they need from the experience as well, and how uh, you can best make the experience good for everybody. And sometimes that's very difficult in in terms of if people come in with a sort of a different attitude and sort of a, a different mindset that you don't understand. You have to uh, try to understand where they're coming from, and it sometimes it's difficult. Well, just yeah, it's it just you know it's relationships. I mean, mm -hmm. just like you can be in a relationship with a, a partner, and and you say what you thought was very clearly a positive thing, and they take it the wrong way. Right. That's like exa exacerbated or amplified at work. Right. Where you can. I mean, I, what I started doing was just asking people like every week or so, how's it going? You okay? You need anything? Are, right. you, are you, you know, anything you love, anything you hate, anything I'm doing? And, and nine times out of 10, they're like, no, it's fine. You know, and once in a while they'll be like, well, I mean, the, the, the DP that the job was so short that it was, and I found out like halfway through and I just felt like, okay, I'll throttle back on being fun on set, right. which kind of weird it's hard because i don't know to me it's fun i mean you, you know I, there's a certain joy i have in doing my job um and high pressure and not, situations call for that to help people not right. go insane i think and what i learned was there's a language barrier this uh, dp was not an english speaker was not initially an hmm. english speaker and i think they thought when I was being funny, I was in some way making fun of them or uh. their process, which again, was never explained to me. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay, there's another thing uh, where you just would never guess that being making jokes on set because it's, it can be brutal. They would think you're joking because, you know, you don't think they're doing a good job, which right. is not at all the intent. I don't know. It's. It's, I mean, look, that's no different than working at IBM. You know, there's your office boss and your office workers and your jokey guy, and some people hate it. And, yeah. You know, uh, it's the Rob Schneider character from SNL. So, I, I, don't know about, I don't know about you, but I, I could never take an office job. I could I could never survive oh. in that environment, you know, I, I for... I think most of the people in our business do it because you couldn't do anything. I mean, you know, you, you always hear actors, I couldn't I couldn't do anything else. Right. I, uh, I couldn't. I mean, even being on a, a factory job like an animated series or dinosaurs a little different, but because um, it's kind of like making a short movie every week. Uh, but this animation job is great, and I love the people I work with, and they're it's Nickelodeon, and they're incredibly supportive. And but there's a grind to it, which is nothing about this is not even about personalities. It's just that day in day right. out for the next fourteen months, I'm getting up. I'm going to be on the computer by 9 a.m. I have to be available till 6 p.m., mm -hmm. you know, and there's hard days and easy days, and you, but you, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you think, oh, Monday's going to be easy. No, Monday's a bear. And then Friday, I can take off, you know, I can kind of roll off by four. Nope, you got a thing you got to finish because Monday morning there's this. And then there's other days where you're thinking, all right, I'm, I'm, it's 9 a.m., I'm ready, and you've got nothing to do yeah. for six hours because whatever the production issue or there's a meeting's been canceled. So, again, rolling with the punches, I don't know. I, but as you bring up, I don't know what else I could do. I've thought about that. Yeah. Could I be a you know a children's book author? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's just sitting at home writing and then doing illustrations. But that's not really 
It's not a career you can fall back on. Not with that restraining order, anyway. <laughs> well, that's against the children, not the books. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, the books I, I can, I can f- handle all the books I want. Now, this is a joke. I've never. It's a there's joke. Nothing, there's nothing, nothing true about about. I don't actually like hanging out with kids unless they're family, and even then, sometimes. Actually, I've been very fortunate. All my my nephews and one niece are all very lovely people, and I, I admire them. But I, yeah, I don't. People are like, oh, you must love children. I'm like, mm, not especially. Yeah, I don't hate them. I mean, I really just judge them as individuals. Some people's kids, I have friends who are great people and their kids are monsters. They're just ill-disciplined. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, I was at his house and their son was crawling around the couch and he was like six, seven. And he crawled, you know, over my lap. And I'm like, oh, I tolerate it. It was fun. And he just farted right in my face and thought it was hilarious. And dad's like, oh, it is I, hilarious. I never went back. It, yeah. I never went back to their house again. I'd see the the parents, but I'm like, no, I'm good. Well, what you don't know is that was you from a time uh, displacement accident. I I would have gotten my ass beat so hard. Well, that's true. If I ever did that. I mean, we were, my parents were Victorian in their their etiquette. Like, it was like children to be seen or not heard. We would, it was like the Von Von Trapp kids when they were, my parents would have a, a dinner party or a bridge party. They played bridge. Very, what was very what was your whistle call? Oh, for being <laughs> outside to play. Yeah. Or no, that's a jo- it's a joke from the Von Trapps because each, oh, each oh, kid had okay, a sorry. whistle tone. My mom did have a whistle when we were outside playing that meant come in. Um, no, we would we would trot out with our hair combed and say good evening, Mister and Missus So and So. Nice, you know, and you kind of shake their hands and then get the hell out. Um, and that sucked was the living room where they had all these events is where the TV was. So, yeah. you know, we had to, yeah. So you're out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it was helpful in terms of, I know how to behave in a, in a meeting and I know how I'm not behaving. <laughs> right. Right. That's actually a nice sidebar. The name edge of etiquette, if anyone's curious or even knows what that is, that was the name of the, we gave the punk band. That was That's playing on uh, the boombox in Trek Four. Playing on the boombox in both uh, uh, Star Trek Four and, and Picard. Picard. And the, the name came up. I don't know if I said this in a previous chat, but uh, because Ralph Winter, who was the producer on um, or one of the producers on um, Star Trek Four, said, "You go." I would go to meetings to kind of represent Leonard, and and I would make jokes and just be me. And uh, he said, man, you just walk the edge of etiquette. Like, I'm amazed at what you say to, you know, Don Steele or Sid yeah. Gannett, not Don Steele, Don, um, what was her name? Was it Steele? Anyway, Sid Gannett, like, you know, the people running Paramount. And I would just make jokes. And I wasn't ever offensive. I wasn't, you know, insulting, but just being like a court jester. Right. And he man, you want the walk the edge of etiquette. And so when the, we did the song, I'm like, oh, we should call it the edge of etiquette. That's funny. Anyway. Um, yeah, so tough business being an artist in any industry, whether you're an illustrator or graphic designer, I, I think everyone would have the same complaints and maybe people who sell cars and, and, you know, write computer programs have the same too. I mean, you know, it's that work look, anyone who needs to, who needs to do something to make a living has troubles, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, unless you're a, a, a pampered, uh, uh, child of wealth. Uh, Nepo baby, Nepo yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, well, and the other thing is, we—I will say the one advantage we don't have to deal with the public. You have to deal with people, but usually people are going to be working with for you know three to six to nine months to a year. Well, you don't have so to deal with get... public that is against you, right? They're not risk. Well, because everyone I know in sales or in the restaurant business, just dealing with you know Karens, right? Whatever the male equivalent of a Karen is like I. I just would walk. I couldn't handle that. I mean, it's hard enough handling producers, directors, actors who, you know, have attitude or you just don't get along with, but you kind of know, and you can adjust. Whereas that, I mean, everyone I know who's in sales and deals with the public, I'm like, Oh God, I, I, you have my sympathy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Cause you know, we, we've both done uh, convention, uh, uh, you know, tables yeah. and uh, that's, that's a joy. Because people who come up to you want to talk with you, and they are on your side. Um, But, you know, what you're talking about, having to deal with uh, the public who first wants something from you and doesn't understand what you're doing. Um, Right. They don't care about your process. They don't care. That's that's a different thing. And it's it's a skill 
it's a skill that you have to uh that you have to learn uh uh, I, I used to, before I got my post-production job at uh, USC, I was uh, helping to run the, uh, the reception desk in the, main, uh, in the main cinema school building. And I would have to, number one, deal with phone calls, and number two, deal with people coming up asking questions and wanting information and all sorts of things. And that was, sometimes, some evenings, that was a killer because everyone would be coming in and asking questions and needing to find places and find people and uh i got i got moderately adept at it but i didn't like it <laughs> so i'm i'm glad uh, that what i'm doing uh has very minimal dealing with uh, public needs yeah i mean i think part of the reward of what we do is you make something it's not a mm -hmm. very i mean Back when I started, it was actual things. Right now, it's a, a, an entertainment. But you know, there's someone asked me in an interview recently, "What do you, what do you want your legacy to be?" And I was like, "I don't think about my legacy. I'm not yeah. that old, or I don't feel that old." Um, I said, I, "I guess my legacy is, I, you know, I did things that people enjoyed and made them laugh. I, I yeah. don't, I don't have that sense of self as like my legacy, you know, uh, like politicians and egomaniacs have." It's more like I'm just happy I was able to play with all the cool people and yeah. But it was it was an interesting question and, I, and I, like I can name three or four people off the top of my head who I know are thinking about their legacy. I'm not right. one of them. Do you ever think about that? Not especially. I I'm just happy that I have some things that I've worked on that will live a long time, far yeah. longer than me, and I'm just glad I was able to contribute. Does that to matter. Them. In other words, if they said, nope, uh, you know, there's an EMP and everything we've done will I think, be erased. Will you... I think it, it would it would make me sad. Yeah, really? absolutely. Uh, but, you know, in terms of a personal legacy, I don't think about that at all. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I even thought it's about just not important. I want to do some bronzes just so in like 500 years there's something in a museum <laughs> saying this was done by, you know, who's known for working with puppets, but he puppets? did this bronze with a... Of a nude woman juggling, ch you know, chipmunks, and <laughs> nude juggling chipmunks. Wow, um, that's, that's a good just... name for an album. <laughs> that, that you that's know, that was one of that was one of the, it was like their Christmas album, but uh, the chipmunks uh, <laughs> <laughs> taking a little oh, different no, tour this time. Yeah, like a song. <laughs> Uh, we should just when we were talking I said we should do an episode about oh, what was it it was clever as hell I'm sure it was you're gonna be so impressed when I remember it uh, we just get in, the, in this flow state doing these things and I you know no, ideas kind of pop up like oh that would be a good and then you know, that's I'm the whole point of it that's the whole point of it yeah no not, I not I, be prepared and any, any we got that <laughs> Please know we have about a 30-second conversation going, oh, let's talk let's about, talk about uh, blah, 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 and go. And then go. Yeah, I, I think so. Hopefully you're in that flow state with us and you're not going, when are you going to talk about, you know, yeah. <laughs> catering or whatever the hell you thought we were going to talk about. I, um, I think sometime soon we ought to talk about, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the movies that made us, you know. Yeah, oh, please. Because I mean, I'm sure both of us have a huge list of stuff and, that have influenced us and entertained us and uh, babies, and babysat Island us. Movie. Yeah. That's the hard part. What are your top five movies? I can name three that are just so seminal and, like, really shaped my yeah. – got me, you know, like uh, Lee with uh, The Shining. Yeah. Just I saw it hit me between the eyes, Star Wars being one of them, uh, which is not a surprise to anybody. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a good idea. So we've got tons. I mean, I was thinking about it. We release these every week or every other week. I mean, we've got two years worth of material without even breaking a sweat in terms of people interviewing stuff to talk yeah. about. So if yeah. you guys are enjoying this, uh, hopefully, uh, and if you have ideas or suggestions, particularly about not so much about guests, but about subjects you want to hear about from writing, yeah. directing, acting, designing. I, I should I should mention our email address because I, I only realized that it's only visible on our YouTube feed. And not on the audio. So our uh, email is theweirdedbeardos, one word, at gmail.com. And uh, you can uh, comment. Should we set up an Instagram and a Facebook, too, just so it's easy to find? We have an Instagram. Oh, we have an Instagram. Yeah. Really? 
exactly. It's uh, I believe it's the Weirded Beardos at Instagram. Get out. Yeah. Who thought of that? See, folks, this is why I love Darren. He's got these great ideas. <laughs> and sometimes I do things about them. Oh, I know what we're going to talk about. Conventions. Okay, yes. so we'll talk about movies and minutes. And then we should talk about, I'm, I've got a lot of convention stories. Good and funny and no real negative ones. Well, a couple that are went so badly they're negative, but not like anyone got hurt. Um, but I think that would be, and that's how uh, Darren and I really started thinking of this. We would sit next to each other, particularly at a convention in Kentucky yeah. called Motherfest, which is delightful, and just start riffing and entertaining ourselves because yeah. we're shockingly we're not mobbed by fans. Um, <laughs> well, so, sometimes you are, you are. No, there, moms, there are no. there are waves. There are waves where well, uh, you yes, know waves of two people. I mean, well, yeah. Again, that's... Look, it's all relative. <laughs> No, my relatives never show up. They, uh, they could care less. <laughs> and with that, folks, with that, that's the kind of jokes and terrible puns you can expect on the Weirded Beardos. Join us next time for whatever the heck we're going to talk about. We don't even know see yet. So thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Excelsior.